Beth, uh, welcome to Live Your Life with Purpose podcast. Uh, we've known each other for quite some time. We haven't talked in a little while, uh, but we first met through the Alzheimer's Association, and I'm extremely grateful for that connection and all that you do really for, uh, for, for lots of different people. So it's really why I wanted to have you on, and I truly appreciate all the work that you do for others. Oh, my pleasure. And Scott, I can remember actually where we met with the Alzheimer's Association. I think it was at the um, Mexican restaurant that's no longer there in Springfield at some kickoff with Christine Chapel. Yep. And you and your sister Kelly, right? Mm hmm. And you were just starting to learn about what the Alzheimer's Association was about. I'm assuming that your mother was probably there because where you were, Kay was. <laughs> right? Yeah, 100%. Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and it's, it was, it was, you know, and you say that really brings back a lot of it's just kind of smiles because, yeah, we spent a lot of time together. Absolutely, you did. And you did so much for the Alzheimer's Association as soon as you got involved. And um, I remember seeing your mom where I was working then at Keystone Commons. It's something that we did in our pub. Your mother was there. You and I, and maybe I don't think, Kathy, you were married yet, but we all did something in Ludlow where it was pouring and we had a tent up and I don't even remember what we were doing, but I it think was... that wasn't it at like, um, like the Ludlow days and we, we were, yeah, we had a tent and in it that year that it poured, we were just doing advocacy, you know, kind of awareness type of thing. Yeah. Right. And again, your mom was there. So, um, I remember with a lot of um, tenderness, the relationship with you and your mother um, as she was going through her journey with Alzheimer's. And it was not only your journey and your sister's journey, but it was everybody's journey because we were with Kay. <laughs> um, she had a lovely smile and where there was Scott, there was Kay. Yeah, it really, yeah. You know, uh... You know, and I never really under, you know, it was, it was kind of amazing when I first kind of started taking care of her. And, you know, it was just, it was an experience of, she enjoyed just always doing little things. And so um, we just, it just was this natural evolution for us to, to spend the weekends just doing little errands. And, you know, she just loved kind of being out in the car, having the sun, listening to music. And so I just, I tried to bring her everywhere, but Beth, as you know, like that presents a whole lot of different situations and circumstances that I put myself through because mom would have conversations with everyone and I would have to explain things and kind of, uh, you know, kind of talk about things. So it was really, it, um, it required a lot. Well, just think about all the people that you talked to that didn't know about um, dementia. Mm -hmm. And the more you talked to them about what was going on, the more you educated them. So you really, and you at the same time was giving your mother a gift 
of having her do what she wanted to do, giving yourself a gift of being able to spend the time with your mother. Mm. So on so many different fronts there, it was really, and as tough as it, I'm sure it was, or got to be for you as your mother progressed, um, a gift that not many people can say they've done that. So um, it was a gift. And that yes, was a, so, yeah. um, and I'll never forget. Was, and I want to, and I want to get onto, you know, all of the wonderful things that you've done, but I wanted to highlight one thing that um, uh, before we talked about that, if it had really a profound effect on me, you had, you know, you've been such a pioneer for Alzheimer's in, 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 in Western mass in this area and such a vocal uh, uh, uh person it's just it's been fantastic and so for all of those who don't know and don't know all of the work that you do thank you for for all of it but you you put on this virtual experience that forever changed my life because here I was caring for my mom and in 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 such a capacity but I really I was doing it through my lens, right? Because that's the only lens that I have. And most people don't get the opportunity to get perspective uh, from somebody else. And so here I was going through this virtual event that I almost had a panic attack um, from because as I was going through this event, I, I saw what my mother was doing and the actions that my mother had and it was, and it was a crazy thing to experience. And so, so thank you for all of the work that you do with all of that, because to be able to get that experience, even from somebody who was caring for somebody, you know, really to then understand what they were going through really had my, a, a mind shift for me of just even the care that I was giving for my mom. Thank you. Um, <clears throat> that kind of started the whole dementia-friendly experience, right? Mm. Um, which is kind of tattooed on my head right now, it seems, because that's how everybody knows me. Um, we've been able to um, give people that experience of what we think what dementia is like, because how do we really know? Because we don't, but our best guess is that with that exercise of kind of dulling people's senses a little bit where you couldn't hear well, you couldn't see well, you couldn't walk well, you couldn't comprehend well, um, to be able to do things and realize that people felt helpless, hopeless, anxious. You weren't the first person that may have thought they had a panic attack and it was probably a seven minute exercise and mm. it felt like hours for people. Um, feeling um, depressed afterwards, feeling, um, I think the thing that people most said is the kind of helplessness that they felt. And, you know, we did this with the whole entire West Springfield Fire, um, not West, sorry, Westfield Fire Department, all the EMTs and their experience. And for them, they go into a lot of facilities, hospital or whatever, but they also go into people's homes where mm -hmm. somebody has dementia and maybe they're agitated. Anyway, 911 was called. And if they didn't have this experience to understand what dementia was about, they'd be saying to people, 
so ma'am, can you tell us your name? Can you tell us your age? Can you tell us this? Well, if they could tell you all that, they wouldn't be in the situation that they're in, even when they come mm -hmm. into our building, right? Um, but unless you have the tools and you know those things, you don't you don't know what you don't know, right? That's it. And you really, you really don't. And I think the biggest takeaway that people have gotten from going through this experience is learning about patience because we live in a fast world. And I say this when I do training with new staff, when you ask somebody with dementia, let's say her daughter's picking her up and they're gonna go out for lunch, Mrs. Smith, go get your pocketbook, go get your coat, um, come back here and we're gonna meet and your daughter's gonna pick you up. So it takes the normal, whatever that means, person with dementia, 90 seconds, which is a full minute and a half, to be able to process what you just said to them. I always feel like it's like talking when my son was a teenager because he never listened to me. <laughs> and, and he had ADD, so asking him a list of things, he never got beyond the first thing. And that's what it's like. So when you say, Mrs. Smith, go get your pocketbook, go get your coat, you've already moved on to talking to somebody else and she's like i have to get something mm. i have to get something what do i have to get can't process all that information at once so everybody always says what i've learned is slow the clock down slow it down and that's it was, a, it was such a hard thing for me to learn especially taking care of mom because especially like going to the store it was like I wanted to go to the store, do a couple of things and then go. And it was just like, oh my gosh. And it's so whole, it's a full experience, right? What you can do in 10 minutes to run to the store and get some <laughs> bananas and yogurt and water with your mom. She's stopping to talk to people. She's looking at things. She's and there's a whole different level of caring for an adult, you know, with uh, that, that who's in that capacity, just even, you know, like even dealing with kids and stuff like that, you can hurry them along a little bit and things of that nature. And, you know, I saw strength in my mom that I never saw before. If she didn't want to do something and, you know, you were, she was not doing it. And so, yeah. Yeah. and you know, when you're at the grocery store with a kid and a kid is having a temper tantrum because he can't fill the cart with chocolate bars or whatever, people know that people, um, yeah, see that all they can relate to that. And they all laugh and say, been there, done that. I remember when my kid did that, I was so damn embarrassed when he was lying on the floor of the grocery store screaming, I want my chocolate, whatever. But when you're doing that with an adult, and people don't understand it, you kind of feel weird about it. It's, yeah, it was probably embarrassing and maybe shameful. Um, and also for your mother, for you and mm -hmm. your mother. Yeah, yeah, for her too, because the one thing, even even as you know, we we went through that journey, um, even though like halfway through, I have a video where she, you know, where she was unable to say my name and you know, that was kind of three years into that six year journey. And so, you know, while she wasn't able to communicate, while she wasn't able to communicate, she was always able to kind of 
feel emotion. Like if I walked into her room, she smiled and kind of lit up. So she knew she was able to have that sense. If I held her hand, she, you know, she would squeeze back and, 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 you know, she, I think that she, I'm sure she's felt somewhat of that comfort, but just in that, in that situation, I'm sure she felt that as well and would feel that. And so I know I did in the very beginning, if she started talking to somebody that she thought that she knew, I felt anxious and uncomfortable until I, I was just like, I got to a point where I didn't care anymore. I was just like, this is what the disease is. And I'm just going to tell you what's happening. And that's it. I'm not going to make any excuses for it, right, nor should right. I. And really, why should you, you know, apologize exactly. for whatever else? Absolutely. Yeah. And I, we know that emotion is the last thing to go. You know, we have um, families that say, oh, today was a good day. My mother knew my name. And we say, why is that important that she knows your name? Yeah. She I knows mean. who you are. She knows that there is a deep connection. So she can't come up with your name, but she may not even know that you're the daughter, but she knows that there's something there. Yeah. And I've had to say to families, don't quiz them. Mm, Are you yeah. having a better day because you know her name? Because she's embarrassed. Yeah. And it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Let that piece go. The important thing is that there's a connection. Yeah, I remember I used to try to correct my mother on situations. And then I was like, why am I correcting her? Let me just re-divert if something is going on versus like correcting anything like in the end of the game it doesn't matter nor nor is she is is that going to relate anyway so right. but none yeah. of us knew that then and mm -hmm. there was this whole reality therapy going on and you know you have to let people you know we have people today that come that live here that say they're 90 my mother's picking me up today what are we going to say what how could your mother be picking you up? If you're 90, she'd be 115. And we know, oh my God, she's dead. I mean, obviously you don't say that. You say, you know what? We're, she called and said um, to go ahead and do whatever group that we're doing right now. And she will let them, when she gets there, we'll make sure that you know. Yeah. And they go, okay. Um, but it's interesting because... It just, you just have to live in their reality. And um, that's exactly, yeah, you, that's it. You just have to live in that and reality. And what difference does it make if it's Thursday and not Tuesday? <laughs> and not, it doesn't matter. Yeah. It just doesn't matter. But it takes people, we're so quick to correct people. Yeah. Until they learn what's the important stuff. Mm -hmm. You know, the only time it matters if mom thinks it's um, June when it's really December is that she needs to wear a coat, mm -hmm. you know, like you have to worry about safety. But other than that, it's not what, hurting anybody. What, what exactly? We had um, a resident who had dementia and she sure was sure she was getting married again to one of our um, nurse's aides who was a male. And there was going to be a wedding <laughs> and I was going to be walking down the aisle with her son and he and I, I don't know where, what she thought. Maybe she knew that we were both people that helped her. Mm. So we were going to be, Gary and I were going to be walking down the aisle together and Gary would call me in the morning because you have to laugh sometimes. 
and he would say, Beth, did you get your dress yet? <laughs> said, oh, Gary, I'm trying to figure out what color to get. Um, and she thought that after the wedding, they were going to have a big meal at Armbrook Village. So we set the table for 10 people. And we had people come sit down at her table. Yeah. And we made it whatever she wanted it to be. And That's fantastic, though. That really is such a such a unique way to really just kind of embrace all of it, right? Like, because you know, Scott, you know, it's a no-win situation if you argue. Yes, it is. No, it isn't. Yes, it is. No, it isn't. You get frustrated. Is it worth arguing that it's two that it's Friday and not Wednesday? No. Where you get frustrated, the person with dementia gets frustrated. You're both ready to kill each other because you have a different idea of what day it is. Who? Well, yeah, and then everyone involved gets more and more agitated. It's it's more and more difficult, um, you know. And and the more that I kept my mom, you know, comfortable and happy, then the easier everything was. You know, if she got agitated about something, then, you know it was just not going to be a good situation. And so, yeah. So you learned how to distract or redirect or whatever it is that you have to do. Um, Come up with a story. Remember when dad and I did this. Remember Tom Jones. It was all I had to do was put some Tom Jones on and man. That was good, but uh, but all I had to do, and, and no matter what, she was she was up dancing and had a smile on her face, and so that was uh, that was easy. And so, you know, one of the major things that I really wanted to talk to you about is that you know, where does this kind of come from? You do so much for so many people, and you know, just have this kind of service attitude um, that is truly unparalleled. And I know that, you know, recently you won the woman of the year for the professional women's chamber, I believe. I know that you won the Jim Quinn award with WNE for your service. And I'm sure there's other awards that I just don't know of. Um, But where did all of that, I guess, kind of start for you? And I got one more, I got another one coming I just found out about, uh, oh. Healthcare Heroes, Community Healthcare Hero. Congratulations, Beth. You know, and, 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 and truly, like, I mean, when I say this, that no one is more deserving of all of these accolades, because you really do a lot for so well, many people. To me, it's natural. You know, I grew up in a family of activists, mm. and I grew up in a family... So when I was three years old, I was marching against um, Ban the Bomb um, with my mother I'm from New York City originally at the United Nations mm. at three years old. I didn't know what the hell Ban the Bomb meant. My mother handed me a sign and said, start walking. <laughs> and, and I think that's when they were doing atomic bomb testing and what was happening is that they were doing it in farmlands and stuff. And the fallout from the bombs, which was strontium 90, I remember this, the cows were eating and it was, um, their milk ended up being poisonous mm. to kids. And so there was this whole movement about stopping the testing. So my response to my mother at three years old was, what do you think I am, a nut? And I refused to do it. And she took me out for Chinese food instead. So, <laughs> that, 
that was my first experience of being an activist, but really not doing anything. But I really did grow up in a family that was very active with what was going on in the world. And so I think it was just kind of ingrained to us that there are people less fortunate, there's whatever, and our job is to provide service in this world. And, and that's kind of what we do. Um, yeah. And I've never, um, you know, I'm a licensed social worker, or, um, I, was, I worked as a teacher, I've done some teaching on the college level. It's all about giving back. Um, and maybe it's because I can't do anything else. I don't know how to change the oil in my car. I don't know how to do a lot of things, <laughs> but I know how to give back people to people. Um, mm. I like to, I want the world to be a better place. I don't know what else to say about that. Yeah. That's just and you can just, and you can just, however your part is, right? And you found this through, you know, obviously with social work and then through, you know, kind of exploring your career. But I mean, it is all about helping others that, you know, maybe aren't able to help themselves right now, right? It's also about, and this is really kind of a full 180 with you and I, Scott, because it's really about purpose. And mm. I know yours is live your life with purpose. And I feel that everybody has purpose in this world. Yeah, everybody. we all have a shining star, right? We all have something that is unique with inside of us that allows us to shine brightly. And it's just a matter of discovering that, developing that, and then giving that back to the world because we're not supposed to hold on to it. We're really not. Like, we're not supposed to keep it, you know, tight. We're supposed to, we're supposed to help others. And, you know, the one thing that I found with, with taking care of mom was that this was my journey, but I needed help along the way, right? Like in the very beginning, I was not going to get involved in a relationship because taking care of mom was my only priority. That's a full-time relationship. Yeah. And so, you know, my sister had her family and, and I was, you know, taking, and so we were, you know, kind of doing this together, but then in the end, you know, had I not met Kathy, I would not have been able to do the things that I did. I would not have been able to achieve those goals. And so that journey was really important for me to just understand a whole lot of stuff that kind of came out of it. And so, you know, when I look at, at everything that happened with mom, there's nothing more than, than I have than gratitude for that whole experience because of everything that, that happened along the way, even as devastating as it was, right? Absolutely. Um, Absolutely. But, but it really is. It's all about giving back to other people and, you know, understanding what is good for you and then just following that. And, you know, so maybe that's my purpose and that's my why, right? Um, but not only is it my purpose, I want everybody in the world to have a purpose. And mm. I think of that with people with dementia, they're not forgotten souls in the world. They still have a purpose. Kids with disabilities have, everyone has a purpose. And that's what I feel like I give back in, in my work. Is yeah. We develop programs to make sure that that purpose is still there. Just yeah. because, just because you can't do what other people can do, doesn't mean you don't have a purpose. And everybody needs to feel that purpose in order to feel complete. 
Yeah, regardless of what we have going on, right? We all want that. We all want to feel that kind of purpose of getting up every day because otherwise we wake up and it's just like, eh. And then, you know, people would talk about, okay, well, people would retire, you know, and then not have anything to do. Well, it's because, you know, you, you ended that one journey. And if you don't have anything else to then, you know, kind of go on to, then it's now what? And you're a shining example of this because I love, you know, all of the stuff that gives you purpose outside of work. I see you kayaking and dragon boat racing and doing all of these other, you know, kind of fun things that obviously truly bring a lot of enjoyment to your life, right? So that's all about balance, right? Balance, balance, balance. And like you, Scott, you know, you're CrossFit, you're paddle boarding, you're, you're <laughs> yoga, whatever you're doing. Um, it is about balance. And yeah, I got to tell you, I'm scared to death to retire. And I think that's probably why I'm still working. I'm almost seven. I'll be 70 in a couple months. Stop it. And no way. Really? Yeah, 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 yeah. And um, I'm the last one out of all my friends. Every one of my close friends are retired. All my college friends are retired. I'm mm. the last one standing. And people say, you know, when you know, and I don't know. So I'm still working and I get so much enjoyment out of working. And yes, I have a lot of things like my kayaking, though that's not a full time sport because we have winter in New England. Yeah. And I haven't mastered ice kayaking yet. Um, <laughs> Is there such a thing? Well, I've gone out when it's been pretty darn cold. Um, <laughs> just have to have the right clothes. But um, so, yes, I think work life balance. Um, and play is so, so important for all of us to take care of ourselves for sure. Um, and the, you know, those are the things that keep me going, I guess. Um, yeah, yeah. But what I do, nothing gives me greater joy than to either, I guess, make the world a better place. Mm. And however that is, and maybe it's teaching somebody something, maybe I'm learning something from somebody. You know, one of the things we started to do here, um, it's kind of a, a fun thing. I purchased an old, um, an old trunk and I filled it by going to tag sales and all sorts of stuff and things that we all had in our homes with things that all of our parents or grandparents would know. Whether it was an orange juice squeezer or rug beater, Sani White shoe polish, Nancy Drew books, um just stuff mm -hmm. and we do a thing of what's in um what's in the trunk and i do this with our folks with dementia and i take out an item and say well what is this and oh my god that is whatever it is and i remember my mother making fresh orange juice every day using that type of squeezer and i remember this and i remember that um, and, you know, maybe we're watching some old Jack Benny um, comedy shows, whatever it is, um, mm -hmm. magazines from the 1930s, we start talking about their first cars and boyfriends and cars. And it is amazing that the conversation it brings up to people and how much fun, you know, remember when the ice man used to come and deliver ice before there were refrigerators, remember this, remember that, and people just, 
because we're all just a collection of our memories mm -hmm. or our experiences, right? And um, it's just such a fun, fun activity to do with them. And it's it, wonderful. One of the things that it, that happens is they start having conversations without forgetting because it's old stuff. So the long-term memory stuff is still there. So it ends up being a flowing conversation and mm -hmm. it makes them feel, huh, kind of normal. I'm kind of whatever. This I have is that. great. I can relate to this. Um, oh my God, we have so much fun doing it. So it's such an amazing, you know, and it's such an ability to just be able to connect with people. And I think that that's, that's fantastic because that's really what it is, right? Like you just want to, everyone can still connect regardless of the communication that we're able to have. On some level, there's always a way to connect. I mean, it could just be holding hands and eating an ice cream sundae together, whatever yeah. it is. Um, but I, I think that's when you have to stop and think sometimes and just slow the world down and and teach people how to make those connections happen because mm -hmm. it's not if i'm the only one that's doing it i'm not doing any good i i need to you know i want to share this with other people so they can do the same thing and i want them to share with me so they can show me new things um about how to do certain things or whatever so yeah i think that's kind of um it's amazing work have fun yeah fun 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 <laughs> and, and you know i think we forget about that we get so caught up in the the seriousness of everything and sometimes we're just having fun remember dancing the twist with chubby checkers i mean it should it should always be fun it should always be fun right and even if it starts out not fun it can become fun there's always mm -hmm. a little kernel of something that you get out of it well just to make it enjoyable because regardless of a bad situation right like we're always going to be faced with some of that like that's never going to go away that's never gonna not be the case for any one of us that's right. just it's pollyannish it's not going to happen and so you know how do you still handle all of that and have some fun in the meantime because otherwise you'll always be miserable and that's that's just not a way to live right um but the one thing that I've wanted to ask you, you've had an amazing career. Um, and when you look back on that career, what do you think is maybe the one or two things that you maybe are most proud of? Oh, I know. That's a tough one. But, you know, you know, I, ah, it's not I, I don't. Well, it's I was going to say in some ways it's not tough because. I can't, I don't think I think in those terms. I, I, you know, I still think of me as some little shmeel down the, you know, what do I know? And I say that to people all the time, what do I know? I don't know anything. So. But are, are you, are you proud of, of what you've been able to, I guess, kind of accomplish like running, you know, these centers and being able to, you know, give a, a wonderful experience back to people maybe, I, you know, I don't, but I mean, there's always something that, when you think about it, has to give you some sort of joy, has to give you some sort of like, yeah, I did that. Well, I'll tell you one of the things that I think about, you know, before I started working with people with dementia, my background was in working with people with traumatic brain injury hmm. and um, young people that were in car accidents and stuff. 
And this is when I worked at Hartford Easter Seals. And obviously the brain fascinates me. I was working with young kids that had the same teenagers, not any, that different from people with dementia. Sure. You know, car accidents, short-term memory problems, same type, executive functioning and all that. And I think that everybody thought that was the end of their world. They had this awful thing that happened. They were in a coma. Um, they'll never be able to do anything. They'll be on social security disability for the rest of their life. And I fought the state of Connecticut and I said, whoa, 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 wait a minute. Why can't they work? What, what's stopping them from working? And they're like, well, they can't work, they have a head injury. It doesn't mean you can't learn anything. Mm. And I can apply that still with people with dementia too. And um, we started, the state of Connecticut started a whole supported employment program for people with traumatic brain injury. No kidding. That's and fantastic, Beth. That was because it goes back to having a purpose. And the idea of, and I don't think I knew that phraseology then, it was mm -hmm. just something I thought was the right thing to do, but that's really what it was about. Why can't they work? Yeah, well, maybe they can't do what they used to do, um, but maybe they can do this. And so I was a certified vocational guidance counselor, and that's what I did at Easter Seals, um, trying to help people find employment, working with employers and um, trying to figure out what they can do. And that was that was a big deal because that was that was the state of Connecticut and right. Like, and how long did it take you to then, you know, I guess kind of start that process and then have it be adopted that, that this was, well, I started working with these, the state, um, I forget here, it's called mass rehab commission in Connecticut. It was Connecticut vocational services, maybe CVA. I can't even remember. It was so long yeah. ago. Um, but I started working with these different counselors in the different Hartford, Greater Hartford area, and they had supported employment for people with um, educational, intellectual disabilities, and they had it with other populations, but nobody ever considered mm -hmm. it for people with brain injuries. That was at the dead, they're on a dead end road. And I said, let's try this. Let's just try this. So we found some job sites and tried it and it worked. Get people out of sheltered workshops, get people into something that's a little bit more meaningful. Yeah. So and and that's it. And everyone wants meaning. Everyone wants to feel validated through something that they do, right? Like if that's whether it's through work or play, yeah. anything, or whether you're a good cook or whatever. Or whether you're helping old ladies cross the street, whatever it is. It doesn't matter. Yeah. It doesn't matter. It just gives you something back about I did I did good. I, I have a purpose. Yeah. Yeah. That's fantastic. Well, Beth, yeah, you know, you are again a shining star. You give so much purpose and energy to to people and comfort. Um, I can't. I can't thank you enough for all that you do for other people. And uh, when I when I I knew that I wanted to do this podcast, you were you were at the top of my list. I know it's taken us a little longer to get together, but you were certainly at the top of my list of individuals that I wanted to talk to because you do so much for other people. And so, thank you for all of that. Thank you, Scott. I really appreciate it, and that goes right back at you too, because um, that's what we're all about. Excellent.